It's Saturday morning. You have no work, but you're still up early. Everything is quiet around. Slow. And you're not really awake yet either. Put the coffee on. It's the perfect time to read some poetry. Morning Poetry with Elisa and Platon. While I pour my coffee, since I don't, I don't keep notes of things I say, do you want to tell me what the first poem is? Yes. The first poem, or poems, are less known from somehow famous writer. Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah. I did say that. <laughs> I have not prepared for this section. I'm like... <laughs> I'm off to a great start already. I can find something. I can find something. Why am I always overprepared? <laughs> it's just something that I forgot. Okay. This is why I did well in school. Okay. So one poem, one lesser known poem from a well-known poet. I have to open it to a page that has a title I don't recognize. Okay, I like this. I don't know how famous this is. Okay, so this is Bukowski. Let me take a sip. Who in the hell is Tom Jones? Do you know that? No. Good. I was shacked with a 24-year-old girl from New York City for two weeks, long about the time of the garbage strike out there, and one night this 34-year-old woman arrived and said, I want to see my rival. And she did, and then she said, Oh, you're a cute little thing. Next I knew there was a whirlwind of cats. Such screaming and scratching, wounded animal moans, blood and piss. I was drunk and in my shorts. I tried to separate them and fell, wrenched my knee. Then they were through the door and down the walk and out on the street. Squad cars full of cops arrived. A police helicopter circled overhead. I stood in the bathroom and grinned in the mirror. It's not often at the age of 55 that such splendid action occurs. It was better than the Watts riots. Then the 34-year-old came back in. She had pissed all over herself and her clothing was torn and she was followed by two cops who wanted to know why. Pulling up my shorts, I tried to explain. Okay. I have to say, this, I have never, I, I may have read this poem before, but I don't remember it. And 
it's the most typical Bukowski thing ever. <laughs> it even has the it has the line I was drunk. <laughs> yeah. I uh, haven't read much by him. Mm. Actually. But really? That's interesting. Yeah. I thought you would have. Yeah, me too. I mean, I would think I would have. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. But it sounds like I... Vaguely like I imagined him. De you've definitely read a few by him, right? Yeah. Like, five. So you know the style. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't have range. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's good, uh, but like this was so typical Bukowski, where it's like oh, two, like there's like that kind of sexual love in it, dirty old man, and then he's drunk, and there's just like squalid New York City, and just Some piss. blood and piss, yeah. and yeah. So it's yeah, it's very representative, I would say. Mm. And then just. The title is like, who the hell is Tom, Tom Jones? <laughs> <laughs> he was probably drunk, to be honest. <laughs> Tom Jones. Yeah. I'd be happy if you read me more of his poetry in the future. Because I yeah. don't have him in my books. So it'll have to be you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can read more Bukowski. Yeah. Early in the morning to start the day. <laughs> I actually have a similar one. Not similar, not too similar, but yeah. one of the two little ones I chose, one of them is by Kerouac, because uh -huh. yes, I'm I interested have a to hear. reputation to live up to, so of course. Uh, it's the 104th chorus from Mexico City Blues, collection of poetry from 59, yeah. <laughs> I find this poem very funny. Um, it says, I'd rather be thin than famous. I don't want to be fat. And the woman throws me out of bed, calling me Gordo. And every time I bend to pick up my suspenders from the Davenport floor, I explode loud, huge, pronto, and disgust everyone in the familio. I'd rather be thin than famous, but I'm fat. Paste that in your Broadway show. Hmm. Shorter than I thought. <laughs> I felt like it had the rhythm of a high school poem. Yeah, look at how it's written out. It's very curious. Um, ah, yes. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit hard to read, but... Um, yeah, with yeah, with audio also, it's like all the all these formal elements are kind of lost, especially when you look at something much more complicated than that, where the the poet is like really working with the layout on the page, and then well, you remember that what like two three years ago, I was like, oh, poetry should be read, which and we're here. You lose that formal element when, if it's just um, read or performed. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, totally. I mean, you can have good readers. I don't think I'm a very good reader, like out loud. If you have a poem where... Because I do have a poem for today that is very 
formal. Not like it's not formal. It's、uh, the formal elements. Like he clearly thought about it a lot. Yeah. And also, like I'm thinking also of、uh, Richard Seiken, where he about writing、uh, Crush. He said that the left margin is the ground, and the right margin is the sky. And also, the left margin is reality, and the right margin is kind of dream. So, especially in "I Had a Dream About You,"、mm. you can see how the lines move, and that has it adds real a real dimension to the poem when you see it on the page, where it says "I had a dream about you," and it's completely. Left margin, but then he goes on these crazy dreams. Like I swallowed your alarm clock and all sorts of things, and those are on the right margin. And all like the real things that he wants to say are central. Fuck! I need to write this down. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, do you think that? Because I've always said, like, I wish Richard Tyken would have like an audio book of that. Collection, but do you think that that I mean that would be lost? But how do you think that's important? Yeah, yeah. I think for、um, personal enjoyment more than you know how important or not important it is to the value of the poem. But I do enjoy looking at it, and I mean, for it's a different, different experience, right? Like the. Personal understanding and the hearing it itself. I guess you can understand it in a different way if you hear it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You understand it in a different way. You, if you've only listened to、uh, the Carrick poem you read or Sykes's kind of more weirdly formatted poems, if you only listen、yeah. to them, you've never seen them on the page. You, ha- you, you still get something. And also, I, I I think if the poet is the one reading it, then you get something more than when I read it, for example, or when you read it, because they will read it in a way that you know the author is not completely dead, right? So、yeah. you will get something from their intention that can be communicated through voice, but not through. Words on the page, but then you will lose the formal elements. So, yeah, different thing. Both are good. Yeah. Do you remember?、Um, we had a class with Gibson on Ashbery. I think the New York poets and、uh, Ashbery reads in like the most monotonous, boring <laughs> tone.、Oh、my God, I, I hope it's same. Maybe it's another one of them. I think it's Ashbery. Did we did we listen to it in class? It was the extra content that I posted. Of course, it was the extra content. I don't even. Who is this Ashbury guy?、Uh, it's like a New York poet from the I'm not sure 40s,、um, between the 30s and the 60s, or I don't know actually. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure about the dating, but mid 20th century、um, kind of everyday poetry. Very exciting to read, and then you listen to him, and he's and like boring. reciting maths or something. Yeah, very boring. Do you have another? I don't because, like, 
I had I forgot about this section. So I think the most well-known poet I have on here is Bukowski and Sylvia Plath. Are there unknown Sylvia Plath poems? What, what book do you have? I'm not the most well-read Sylvia Plath guy, so I will. I can definitely find something that I've never read before. I think I've read all the most famous ones because, of course, I have. Mm-hmm. But then I have two collections, and I got them so that I could read more Plath because I like her. But then I haven't read. I haven't read them all. I haven't. I don't think I've read most of them. So, should I read from Ariel or selected poems? Um, Ariel. Ariel. Ariel is like the best, right? I think so. I haven't. I mean, I have a collection of her poetry, but I don't know. Oh. Like one of the big ones? <laughs> it's like bigger than my cat. Yeah. It's oh. <laughs> 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 Okay, so in Ariel, I have dog-eared three poems. One of them is Daddy, of course. The other one is uh, Fever 103 Degrees, mm-hmm. which is fairly long. If you don't recognize the title, I will read the, the third one I've dog-eared, which is Death and Co. Death and what? Death and Co, like and company. I don't know that. Okay. So Sylvia Plath, Death and Co. Two, of course, there are two. It seems perfectly natural now. The one who never looks up, whose eyes are lidded and bald, like Blake's, who exhibits the birthmarks that are his trademark. The scald scar of water, the nude verdigris of the condor. I am red meat, his beak claps sidewise. I am not his yet. He tells me how badly I photograph. He tells me how sweet the babies look in their hospital icebox, a simple frill at the neck, then the flutings of of their Ionian death gowns, then two little feet. He does not smile or smoke. The other does that, his hair long and plausive. Bastard, masturbating a glitter. He wants to be loved. I do not stir. The frost makes a flower. The dew makes a star. The death bell. The death bell. Somebody's done for. What is I... that reversed? I'm, I'm, I wonder if I've read it before because I had marked it. Um, but it doesn't sound familiar. First thing that came to mind is Jeff. Mm, why? It's like the, because it starts like there's two of them, and then it's like w- one of them does this, this, and that, and he does not smile or smoke, and then the other one does. So it's that Jeff duality from Psychin again that is like the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. What did you think? I was thinking, um, I'm not sure, I was thinking something, but yeah. But I thought it was wrong. I know that she wrote a poem about when she met Hughes or something. What oh. if this referred to like, um, you know, various? Yeah, I actually, I actually don't know the chronology. 
Uh, is Ariel the collection that came out after her death? Or is it... I don't know. But what I have with Sylvia Plath a lot is like, some of her phrases are so good. Like, some of her phrases are very powerful. Oh yeah, she's absolutely she's amazing. And, and I get yeah, stuck yeah, on yeah. them. And like, you read it and I get yes. stuck on the single images. So like, I lose the two lines after something that I really like. I get that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my collection of Ariel says that it, these poems were written. Um, b so the first, her first collection is the Colossus, um, and it was published three years before she died. And these Ariel poems were written between that and her death. So okay. in those three years. So I, I think I think I'm right that this came out yeah. after her death. Sounds like. Um, which would explain. Or, you know, would make it plausible that it, it is about meeting Hughes, who knows? Yeah, um, no, very beautiful. Kind of hard to well, get it as a whole, just because some lines are overpowering <laughs> hmm. the other ones. Yeah. I still don't, I don't think it was as powerful as my favorite ones from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like... like daddy and... Some words. Lazarus? No, Lady Lazarus. Lady Lazarus, yes, Lady Lazarus and Daddy are much more like... I was wondering, like, has she read anything on the record? Because I think that if she read Daddy, it would be like... very... it would sound more like what contemporary now, like contemporary um, feminist poems sound. Yeah. I, I think she... I don't know. It was different times as well, like she died in the early 60s, so it was like, was anyone doing like really angry poetry? Maybe, maybe Gil Scott Heron, which I will, I, I want to read something from, but like maybe he would write, uh, read something in an angry, yeah. Mm. Because the problem with the 60s is that from the, Black rights movement. The the most the, the the people who were the most celebrated are also the ones that were more. I don't want to say tame, but they were more like less angry. You know, like if you look if you look at activists, and this is just like after MLK Day, right? If you look at activists, you had Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and. Uh, the Black Panthers with, uh, you know, like someone like Fred Hampton and um, Stokely Carmichael. Everyone kind of like praises Martin Luther King as like the great leader of the movement. And he was, he was, you know, like he was the leader of the movement, but he was also the only one who was willing to compromise with white people on the issues. Black Panthers, Stokely Carmichael, they were like, we either win our freedom or we're gonna... Yeah. It's like no compromise. Yeah. The answer is violent. violence. So then their art is also much more angry and, you know, like fast and kind of aggressive. And if you think about like who were the, the, the writers that defined that era, like Earlier on, you had like Langston Hughes, and then 
James Baldwin, and these are more MLK types than Malcolm X types. Yeah. They take st center stage from someone like Gil Scott Heron, who was a lot more, you know, more energetic and aggressive and probably said things in a way that, you know, like, wasn't very diplomatic, let's say, so... No, I think that the, uh, maybe the more official space for angry poetry or, you know, kind of more outspoken came with the slam, when slam poetry became like yes. official. Yeah, but she died long before that happened. Yeah, slam poetry came a bit later. So slam poetry came later. I, I, I will look it up. I will look up if there's any... I mean, Sylvia Plath is kind of like... I know that there aren't many things about her in terms of photographs or interviews, stuff like that. I, I, I remember that she wasn't one of those... Like, she was big, but she was also kind of out of the spotlight mm -hmm. fairly. So I doubt that there is, but I will look it up because I would love to hear her uh, perform yeah. something. I have a feeling there might be something. Did you win the Pulitzer when she was alive? Or am I confusing her with someone else? I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so what, what, what are you reading? I'm reading a poem from the Anthology of Spoon River. Anthology of Spoon River. Lee Masters, I don't know that. It's in English Is that the editor? and Italian. One of my favorite Italian songwriters has mm. mm -hmm. a lot of songs taken from uh, this book. So it's kind of like a, a little, every poem is like a little story for a dead person in the cemetery, right? Um, and yes. look how big it's like a lot of people. For every person, mm. it's like a whole mm. village, and everybody's like, you know, connected. I think a huge achievement in poetry, but I really like one of them. That mainly because I like the song so much. Um, Eighty-four. I'll send you the song in Italian later. I think it's uh, even better than the poem, but it comes from here. So it's the Fiddler Jones. Uh -huh. So it says. The earth keeps some vibration going there in your heart, and that is you. And if the people find you can fiddle, why fiddle you must for all your life. What do you see? A harvest of clover or meadow to walk through to the river? The winds in the corn, you rub your hands for bees hereafter ready for market. Or else you hear the rustle of skirts like the girls when dancing at Little Grove. The cooney potter a pillar of dust, or whirling leaves, meant ruins, drought. They looked to me like redhead Sammy, stepping it off to lure. How could I till my forty acres, not to speak of getting more, with a medley of horns, bassoons and piccolos, stirred in my brain by crows and robins and the creak of a windmill, only these. And I never started to plow in my life that someone did not stop in the road and take me away to a dance or a picnic. I ended up with 40 acres. I ended up with a broken fiddle and a broken laugh. 
and a thousand memories and not a single regret. Oh. You know, but teacher, the call. Yeah, I want to read you the actual the song because it's the same lines, but it's all rearranged. In un vertice di polvere, gli altri vedevano siccità. A me ricordava la gonna di Jenny in un ballo di tanti anni fa. Sentivo la mia terra vibrare di suoni, era il mio cuore. E allora perché coltivarla ancora? Come pensarla migliore? Libertà l'ho vista dormire nei campi coltivati. A cielo e denaro, a cielo ed amore, protetta da un filo spinato. Libertà l'ho vista svegliarsi ogni volta che ho suonato. Per un fruscio di ragazze a un ballo, per un compagno ubriaco. E poi se la gente sa, e la gente lo sa che sai suonare, suonare ti tocca per tutta la vita e ti piace lasciarti ascoltare. Finì con i campi all'artiche, finì con un flauto spezzato, e un ridere rauco, e ricordi tanti, e nemmeno un rimpianto. Is Italian the original? No, the original is the English one from 1915. And the Italian oh. one is Fabrizio De André. Like the... I figured that, yeah. But that's how I got to it. Now it sounds to me like the Italian is the original, honestly. I think it sounds better. And that might just be because Italian is a better language, but... <laughs> I don't know, it sounded more genuine in Italian. Right, yeah, that was my feeling. <laughs> but for huh. so many of these... But, you know, this is from 1915, it doesn't have that modern flow like the Italian one has. I think it's... Uh... Well, that's the heart of modernism, so it should have a modern flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I... No, I, I prefer the Italian. Just like, I've never heard this before. I heard it once in English, once in Italian. I prefer the Italian. Uh, and I, you know, like, poetry is notoriously difficult to translate and you get a lot of, like, beyond poetry translations, you also get a lot of own language covers. So, you know, like, yeah. with, with, like, big big songwriters a lot of covers are also a translation of the lyrics i don't know if that happens anymore but it used to be a much bigger thing a few decades ago so you know like dylan cohen uh paul simon they would like you you will find their songs translated and covered into like spanish and italian and greek and german probably and swedish and you know like I don't think that happens anymore, but then I think it's probably rare to hear one that it's like even better than the original because, you know, you hear Suzanne in French and you're like, oh, you know, it's probably good, but you're like, oh, that's Suzanne. And yeah. If you're like me and doesn't speak French, you just sing along in English. <laughs> <laughs> um, it might be Italian does sound good. <laughs> Suzanne in Italian sounds to me almost better than the English version, because it's done by the same songwriter. And yeah, I know, I've heard that one. I don't, I don't agree with that assessment. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably, oh, look, if, if I was super familiar with this song, in, with, <laughs> with this poem in English, like if I had read it like 
a hundred times over ten years or whatever. <laughs> I probably wouldn't like the Italian so long. So this is like my appreciation of it in Italian is very genuine and sincere and raw. It's not. I don't have like any. I don't have emotional attachment to the original or anything like that, or not even emotional attachment, but just like I'm not used to it, so I don't have any bias. Yeah, but shall we move to part two? Yes. Which is? Which is a poem from a book we have and that we haven't read before. Oh, okay. So we do the first reading together. Yes. Yes. For this section, I will be reading exclusively from Poetry Magazine mm -hmm. because I've been buying their issues for a while now, mm -hmm. and I don't read enough from them. And I always want to, but then, like you know, I end up not doing it. So, and this is gonna also go towards the. This is also gonna help with what you were saying about you don't read much contemporary poetry. Um, these are, you know, this is November 2018 that I'm reading from, um, and... What magazine? Poetry Magazine. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a generic poetry magazine. It was what? I thought, uh, that you just said a poetry magazine and didn't get the poetry No, 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 THE poetry okay. magazine. <laughs> uh, and, um... Obviously, these are all like okay. So when I bought it, they were just like they were just out. But they are contemporary. I think like poetry magazine is the most sought after publication for poets. I think so. Yeah, I'll 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 be reading from these also to help me read the things I buy. <laughs> Indeed, same here. I think I'm going to read from Emily Berry. Do you know Emily Berry? Not at all. I will read Emily Berry's No Name. What can I tell you? It was a summer that seemed to be making history. Their personal history. Almost before it began. And they stood back slightly. Still in it. But observing it. Saying, the summer this, the summer that. All the while it was going on. They became obsessed with a fountain, for example, one they walked past each day. How abundantly it would reach upwards and yet be pouring back down itself the whole time. All winter this fountain had been dry, not saying a word. What more can I tell you? Oh, everything. Like how they would walk home in the evenings when the light was soft, anything bad sliding off them, and they would feel owned completely owned, in a good way, by the air, which would touch them constantly, sometimes urgently, sometimes lightly, just to let them know it was there. And they would think maybe this is what being alive is, when they saw how complicated a tree was and how it wanted them to look at it and saying this, how the color of a particular flower at this particular moment was redder even than the life force, whatever that is. If you could open it up and get right down inside it, if you could put your mouth on it and become as red as that rose even, it was still redder than that, and they wouldn't know what to do with themselves, so they wouldn't do anything except listen to the songs in their heads, which were sad ones, like nearly all good songs, 
and watch this feeling rolling in. Sunshine or rain, we don't know yet. It's a good one, it's the best one, though it has no name. Well, <laughs> First time reading it. I like it. I I think the tone, it captures that kind of writing about youth. I don't know how old Emily Berry is, but like really capturing that being alive and young. Yeah. Kind of. My thoughts, exactly. Moment. Yeah. Like 19. At oh. least for me, it was my 19 that crazy oh I'm, I'm sure we, we both have multiple ages um, like that but um, uh, it says here Emily Berry is the author of strange baby and dear boy dear boy was published in 2013 and she also edits the poetry review the poetry review is the publication at the poetry cafe where I used to go for open mic <laughs> yeah She's the author, she's the editor of that. Very cool. I know the title, Dear Boy. It sounds familiar as a... Collection. Oh, really? I it's, don't have it. Yeah, 2005. I think a very good poem. I don't think I've... Have I? I don't think I've submitted anything to the Poetry Review. But yeah, their offices are just upstairs from the Poetry Cafe. Mm. Uh, we used to go there a lot um, before everything shut down. Is that going now? No, no, of course it's not going. It's, uh, it's, I don't think, I mean, it's almost a year now since the last time they did the, any event. Um, so yeah, and I haven't been there in even longer um, for any open mics. Yeah. I'm following uh, what they're doing just in case, you know, like, I think the first open mic after the pandemic is going to be like very popular. Yeah. I went to a, did I tell you I went to a poetry event here like last month and it was outside. It was outside of the little church, St. Reed, the church that's like in front of our apartment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that was the first nice. poetry event I've been to for like a year and a half. Um, hmm. and it was kind of cool. There was a part that you would have loved, um, in between. It was like poetry, but also like stories. And there was this guy, it's like in between like a stand-up and like a poem. <laughs> or nice. It was very good. It was kind of like a short story. I don't know how to say it. It, it left you with that kind of sense when it finished of like, I'm like understanding something now that it's finished. Um, yes. So I have a poem. Gonna read it now. So it's from. Yeah, talking about poetry meetings. A little book that I got at Oveo from John Fitzgerald called First Cut with a nice dedication to me. It, it was like his own copy. <laughs> his own copy? Yeah, see, like with all these bookmarks. I, I've never opened the book. <laughs> How did you get his own copy? I don't know. I think he finished, like, he brought probably like about 10 and he probably sold out that night. And when I asked him uh, for a copy, it was like, I don't have any more, but I got his own little bookmarks. Nice. Yeah. 
the 11th of February 2019, so almost two years ago, from John Erveo. Okay, so I think I want to read the first one, which is called Seeing Clear for Nicholas. This sunny spring morning, the full throttle of a passing tractor will draw one of them running out to stare down at the gap between the piers. Wait for the flash, revelation, whose tractor it is and what they're up to on a Sunday. And sure enough, I see him standing small on the big moon lawn in his favorite white hooped jumper, hand raised to shade his eyes, brown curls catching at the tips, a glint of auburn from the sunlight. He turns and waves to me, and I wonder if my real purpose in returning here has been to make good the past, ensure that someone gets it right this time, so that, even if only for an instant, this much can be clear. I feel like reading it again. <laughs> You're gonna read it again? No, it's, uh, it's just first reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit hard to read. No, but it's good too. I like you can give the live kind of impression. Yeah. It's certainly like evocative in some way, but I, I'm not sure how. <laughs> a, bit, a bit pastoral, a bit yeah. um, personal, uh, kind of introspective yeah well i must have liked the guy a lot if i got his book i was gonna ask like you probably liked what he performed at Alveo. yeah 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 i think so i did get a bunch of books but only the ones that i liked you know like this yeah never gotten a book at Alveo. was one of the joys of Alveo. get a new book every week every monday <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 that's good yeah, I, I will read more of his, like not mm. now, but in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the next session? Um, no, next session. The, the next, next part. The next part. I call it a part. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, it's something that I read it for the first time. No, wait. Oh yeah, it's something that you're gonna send me, and I'm gonna read for the first time. So it's like my first reading sent by you? Yes. And vice versa. Yes. Uh, and this... Um, is there another part? No. This is the last part? Yeah. I mean, if we want some of our poetry, I think. Yes. Um, okay. I don't... Oh, you might have read this. But the point is, how are you going to send it to me? Email link to the thing. You can also send me photos. More likely, how am I going to send it to you? So I picked one from this little booklet called Love and Flies. That is a collection, little tiny collection of some poems written by this guy who was in UCC, I think in my course, and he died um, like five years ago or something. And then... After he died every year, they set up a creative, like a creative writing scholarship in his name, in UCC, mm, actually. Mm. And I've been to a few of his 
commemoration events where they mm. they had these uh, these things. I've sent you a link. You can send me photos. Uh, so his his name is. His name is Owen Murray. Owen Murray. Owen spelled E O I N. Yeah, Murray. And this is called indigestion. All those attempts to make eggs, each one encouraged, then cast out the window, smearing the whites into yellow. She's chopping I love you onions. They sweat on my lips as she puts them to heat. And the wind is howling, and the clothes line spinning where the whites are hanging. I crack an egg and wait while it sizzles for her to speak. Yeah. You know, for such a young age, this is really good. Right? Yeah. Like, this really good, kind of like kitchen sink realism. <laughs> um, I love, I love the, she's chopping, I love you, onions. That like, I love you completely, like, in the middle, in the exact middle of uh -huh. the poem, in the middle of the line. And the yeah, whites, yeah. the whites of the eggs and the whites of the clothes are, I think that was very smart. Yes, yes. Yeah, it has that realism and it also has a sort of very ambiguous generality to it. And so it's like it's both capturing a moment and it's also very general at the same time. Yeah. The next, the next last one. Hmm, have you read title. this? I have not read this. I like how it looks. It's difficult to read because you know how it's a common kind of uh, tro not, not tro like common practice to uh, finish a sentence in the next line. Yeah. Here you don't know where a sentence ends. It's like he did this amazing thing. The ending of each sentence is the beginning of the next one, and it's it, it has line breaks. So you don't know. It's you you have to find the flow in the middle of it and go with it. Even when it sounds a bit like mm. you're not doing it right, um, I love it. I, I love the idea. I think, I think the 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 page, the website has a reading of him doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, just give it a go. I'm trying to find it in my book to follow along. Uh, it's it's probably like the longest poem that we're doing, not by much, but still. Yeah. Okay, maybe by much, but uh, I think. Like, I, I really love this poem, so let's go. Well, I really, I like being oh. a bit confused by, by mm. how to read it. And what you just said, I, I like Kerouac did it a little bit that you don't know how mm -hmm. to read it because every sentence is like, la la la. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can appreciate. So, okay. Mm -hmm. The next last one by Frank Sherlock. One day we're told to look at the sun through a hole in a cereal box. All there is to be seen is the rest of the world disappearing. This somehow shadows aliveness, but almost everyone who has ever lived is restlessly sleeping as dead. For who, about what, the end is near, over and over. Yeah, we insist on making dates to keep talking. Always about the last eclipse, the next blood, flower, 
bookworm strawberry ice wolf event. Then there's the last constellation we might ever see until there's something else to look out for. Gone are the frightening and gorgeous conspirators that I'm sure I will not see again. Traces of sweat and mystery streaks, some hells, communion, and of course, a few awkward goodbyes. The mattress is gone forever, like so many of the bodies I've worshipped. Here we are left with impressions and a recollection of my side story. I cry with one eye all the time, but the right one stayed defiant. What would you read to someone you love if you knew that they were dying? If it's over again, can we share more than black sights and drownings, skin turned confetti, blue turned coal, and innards swept down sewers with brooms? We give way beyond what we know, so the gun in my mouth made me a monster for a while. Coming back, shoeless, calloused me, everywhere but the bottoms of feet. Someone dressed like a traitor convinced me there are loyalties that deserve to be broken. Someone with death to the clan on the door let me know I already broke free. Hear them both. They're dead and it's tricky since they decomposed and me are close. But here I am with you. The friend who is you, impossible, almost lover you. The us we chose as family you and others in the, in the fullness of time. None of us breed, but someone will give first behind bulletproof glass where life and the divide begin. This is a fabled event packaged as betterment. It will spawn someone who pays to spray us like invasive bugs in the street. Cops, we're children, so we can look forward to good regime, bad regime during future questioning. Thanks for the theater, but we've seen the play. Civil discourse is broken down in the destruction manual. They can have all the orchestras. Classical music will never drown out the sins. What would you write to someone you love if you thought you might be dying? Maybe once I was someone who I'd love to see punched in the face. But I am here and not yet dead. So a constellation of the imaginary is no imaginary constellation. There is no sky without a dream of sky. You who are family, fuck a grid. And thanks to you, I see brightness independent of state-sponsored power. We talk about who threw that brick through the window and how it's now part of a path in the garden. Broken glass is as old as glass, but the sound is more than fresh wounds. There are fresh worlds still to be heard. Oh, and you, my friend, I will fight anyone who says you're not pretty. That is just ridiculous talk. Distant, impractical. You. I believed we could be possible with translation software and hearts for eyes emojis. 
no dice, but not before entertained, dressing in a tux as your husband. Look, I never thought when you said no more haircuts until wars were over, that you'd never have short hair again. My beautiful barber brushes my face. I feel funny. I moan a weird prayer for peace. I guess it could happen. Lol. After all, we deserve a new start. Soon we'll be dead and brag about witches. We were here and looked right into the sun. Wow. What did I read? Um. <laughs> what did you read? <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool experience. Right. I first came across this poem when it came out. Yeah. Um, when was like that? Just over, just over two years ago. And there are two notable things about this. I don't know, like, tell, tell me your impressions before I say anything about the poem. Um, I loved what it did with the beginning and the ending. Mm -hmm. With the sun. Yeah. Um, it's hard to remember when you get to the end what you read on the first line because it's a long poem. Right, yeah. But I it love, is a long poem. I love all poems that refer to the sun. <laughs> it like, it's my mm. Italian side. It makes me deeply joyous. So yeah. I welcome any sun reference and I remember it. Um, and the various kind of like side comments to everything. It's like how fragmented they are. Yeah. And I enjoyed thinking, you know, this is like kind of nice and fragmented, reminded me of the wasteland that I've reread again like a few days ago. And then, like in the wasteland, at the end, these fragments I have shored against my ruins. We get towards the beginning here. Here we are left with impressions and a recollection of my side of the story. I think it was a. It, I think it looks like an actual reference to the um, to the most fragmented poem <laughs> ever. It is. It is fragmented. Uh, notable things about it. like one of the first things that I noticed in the first reading a couple yeah. of years ago was the second to last line has the the word lol. <laughs> yeah. And we are at an age just like. I definitely kind of remember a time where if you put like just lol in a poem, it would be like, it would have, it would mean something for the poem, negative things, kind of like whatever. And now we're at a stage where it's an amazing poem and it has lol and they are not kind of contradicting each other. It's such part of, I still hate the word, but uh, <laughs> it's not a signifier of even lowbrow poetry anymore. Yeah, and I think he did it consciously. Like he talks about, you know, the uh, uh, heart eye emojis. Emojis, yes, yes. So yes, yes. he's like playing his own game, I think. Yeah, 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 it's like it's good that we are at a stage of poetry where it's it can be really anything and it can be good despite like any perceived rules or anything like that. So the two things I was going to say, one of them, first one, most important, I would say, is that uh, it was inspired by an essay collection by Alexander Chi called How to Write an Autobiographical Novel. And I love that book. Like, 
what Alexander Chi does there. It's like really beautiful kind of collection of memoirs and essays where he talks about being a writer and how he wrote a couple of uh, his first novel mostly, uh, but also great essays about being a Korean American writer, being gay, being both at the same time in the literary scene and mm. um, being an activist during the AIDS uh, crisis in the early 90s in San Francisco and um, just an exceptional book. It's an exceptional book. And the line here, what would you read to someone you love if you knew that they were dying? That's a very close paraphrasing of uh, something Ale Alexander Chi writes in, I believe, the last essay in the book or the second to last. They have always been kind of together because in my head, like the poem and the book, because... It's in your poem as well, that line. It's in a poem of in yours. In my poem. No, I don't think I... I mean, I'm, I'm very conscious that that's, you know, not my line, so I haven't used it. Something similar. Maybe. It's possible that I've, sh I've shown you this poem before. They talk about some similar things. You have, like, themes here of uh, police brutality and uh, racial issues and activism and uh, generally a state of the... Well, the world, but specifically America, where you have all these nationwide conflicts. It will spawn someone who pays to spray us like invasive bugs in the streets. Yeah. Thanks for the theater, but we've seen the play. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, obviously the line, someone with death to the clan on the door, let me know I already broke free. And then this brings me to the second thing about this. Um, I think about a year after this poem came out, someone wrote an article about Frank Sherlock, quote unquote, exposed him as being a, a former uh, white supremacist. White supremacist. Oh, okay. So the story is that Frank Sherlock, in his youth, he used to be involved in uh, white supremacists okay. slash neo-Nazi crowds. Um, then he got out of it. He kind of completely left these groups and kind of... You can see even in this poem there is like that story of regret over his past actions and... Um, kind of trying to show that he is pretty much the opposite of what he used to be in terms of that ideology. Um, yeah. So the, the line is, um, maybe once I was someone who I'd love to see punched in the face. Yeah. Uh, and then it says, but I am here and not yet dead, so constellation of the imaginary is no imaginary constellation. Uh, and what happened is that he, after this article came out, so he was like poet laureate of Philadelphia, stuff like that. He got completely canceled. Um, he hasn't been active online or um, he hasn't released any new poetry. And generally, like after the white supremacy article came out, it kind of like mm. ruined his career, or at least it looks like it. You know, like no one's heard from him really in the public space since but i've always felt that this was one of the most 
kind of unjust and harmful cancelings that happened during that, like the heyday of cancel culture, because he already, it's not like he was a white supremacist and then an article came out exposing him and then he started saying, oh, no, 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 I've changed my mind, you know, like I'm a good guy now. He got dragged into that uh, ideology the way, like, he's a white straight male, right? Like, that's the number one demographic of these hate groups. And he got dragged to it the way all these uh, guys are dragged into it, you know, like they're angry youths who are looking for a a sense of belonging, a, a group with a cause. And he got kind of like, you know, duped into it. And then without any public kind of backlash, because he wasn't, he became a poet after he left, you know, like without any public shaming, he corrected his path. Yeah. And also actively worked in his community uh, against uh, these racist groups. So I think that, you know, like, don't cancel the guy who, yes, fucked up and got involved in, like, horrible, horrible groups and perhaps activities. And then turned away on his own and actively fought against the the ideology that he was part of before. Like, yeah. that's not really the enemy, is it? Uh, so I think it's a shame... I think he's a good poet. I think that, at least locally, he was a force for good after being a force for bad, to put it in very, very kind of pedestrian terms. Um, And it's kind of a shame that he hasn't, you know, like you don't see any new poetry from him, you don't hear any, you know, because he he had a position in the poetry community, right? Like he was poet laureate of Philadelphia. It's not... A small thing but yeah like I, I wanted to mention that because you can't really read something like that and not mention I want to read more by him now. I think I think there must be more I don't think in the poetry website or whatever but I think he may have other uh, publications uh, that you can find online well he seems to have a page on poetry foundation so yeah, yeah. Uh, one line sorry uh, I like his um, I don't know, his tone is very humble. And now that I also hear the whole story, I see more, you know, of uh, personal feelings he may have. But one line that, like, my favorite line reading this was coming back shoeless, calloused me, calloused me everywhere but the bottoms of feet. Like, yeah. That's. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. um, It makes more sense in the context. Uh, Yeah. You know, the whole poem does, I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna listen to his own reading. Yeah, listen today. to his own reading. Yeah. See, like, he, he reads it in an interesting way, and I I probably read it closer to how you read it than he reads it, but still, like, that's kind of, like, one of those nice things about... I'm trying to share, like, I think he, he uh, looks like such a hipster, in a good yes, way. Yes, he does. He does, he does, he does. <laughs> He's got two books. Two, okay. Sorry, I'm just reading the Poetry Foundation page. 
Yeah. Um, I haven't. I don't have any of them. Um. Very beautiful. Thanks, Platon, about this uh, I think it's contemporary poetry nice. jump. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, I think ultimately I'm both in poetry and other things that, you know, I, I read or watch or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm so interested in what's happening now that, you know, like... I could read poetry written like a hundred years ago, but you know, like that was a hundred years ago. Like, don't we have like, you know, like I'm always looking for something that has like, you know, like that. Like someone said, we should listen to the poets more than politicians. I don't know who said that. Probably a poet. <laughs> or Margaret, you're smart. <laughs> yeah. No, but it would be, it would be pretty interesting if, uh, we had that as a way of understanding what's happening. You know, like, here's a poem. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's, more, <laughs> it's more representative of the people and more honest, probably, as well. Yeah, what a vision. I think this has gone longer than we expected. Yeah. I have to say, after we had this a chat about doing... Um, this thing that I think was about 10 days ago I wrote yeah. three poems in the last 10 days <laughs> <gasps> nice I don't know if it's a coincidence or I don't know but I think it was after that talk and I was like hmm I used to have poetry in my life like every day and uh, exactly that's the point of this thing but uh, I I'm happy that you're writing more yeah back into it and my supervisor also um proposed that I could send him like a little collection of my poems and he wants to look at it. I think that also motivated me to I don't know just uh, put my hands in it or get stuck into it like they say in Cork <laughs> Nice, um, very nice Yeah, but this also helps. So you you do your part as well Yes Yes, I will 